Welcome to Diamond Dreams Miami Up and In. Last Thursday was our quince. Today's our sweet 16, Mike. Sweet 16. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Yep. Par- parties for, you know, the, the Hispanics, for the Americans that celebrate sweet 16. Para todo. That's a big dress. That's a big dress party too, right? The, the girls come out with the real big dresses. It's 15 and I, 16, right? I think so. I'm used to the, the Cubanasco yeah. ones with... <laughs> You know, Rolandito Barral is the MC, and <laughs> my all the, sisters, all uh, 15 and 16, was at our house. Dad threw a them on the party, did the nice. best they could. It was nice. I remember those days. Oh, those that's were great awesome. memories. Yeah, great memories. And those parties, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> How many did you go to? <laughs> a lot, a lot. And I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them. Really did. A lot of fun. Awesome. But we, we got to mention, you know, there's, there's great music at those Kingses, and there's also great music on Up and In, Sammy Love with our intro music. Evil Love Music on Instagram, Place for Radio Stereo. Follow him. Strong. We love it. It's ours. We love it. And, and and as Mike always mentions, man, we have a, a few more. Well, you know, we'll release yeah. them little by little, right? Touch but them up. Um, Touch them up. And also, we, we can't, uh, you know, start the show without saying, you know, this is brought to you by Diamond Dreams Miami Academy. Ready to go. A couple more weeks left for uh, fall, uh, I'm sorry, spring openers 2023. Getting our rosters in, getting our bills paid, and uh, registrations going, and and getting ready for the opener first week of February. That's right. And also, um, myself, Armando Alvarez, I'm a real estate agent here in Miami. For you know, if you want to sell, buy, have any questions, feel free to contact me. I have a listing right now, 60, 6265 Southwest One Sixty First Place, single family home, four beds, two and a half bathrooms. Hey, if you want it. Call me. Let's make an offer. <laughs> make go. an offer. And we have a very special guest today. Um, I was going to say it's the first time we have a, a somebody twice, but nope. David Vela. David Vela. <laughs> was there for first the draft. Guy, sure so he, and, he made, and he made a point of it quick in yeah, the conversation. He's like, hey, he's like, hey, hey the first I think, time. Yep. But David Espinoza, he was a first-round pick with the Cincinnati Reds, owned Swing Kings, scout as well in, in, in the bigs, and, and, a, and a really great guy. And David, welcome back to Diamond Dreams Up and In. Oh, thank you. I love uh, I love the podcast, and um, you know, I think we all love baseball, and we just love talking about it. So excited! Oh, yeah. No, absolutely, man. And you know, we're we're happy to have you back on. We've been since the first time because we we barely scratched the surface. I think it was like episode two. Yeah, I think it was the Padres <laughs> Philly series. Was that? Yeah, was that what we were talking about at the time. Yeah, we were. Wow. Yeah, SP was big on the Padres. Yeah, big. Got a bunch of eights. Yeah. Well, like I, I, I think we all know, you can be great on paper. You still got to play the game. Oh, Philly got so hot, huh, David? Yep. Oh my God, they got red hot. Yeah, man, confidence, oh, man. confidence. And before I forget, um, I have it, have it in there, but I have to bring it out later. My, I have my high school bat, a Copperhead, and I've been talking to SB about it. Legendary. And we're, we're gonna take some pictures and post it on on our on our Instagram page. But but man, I've had that bat since I was fourteen years old, and I'm forty two now. I know it was like <laughs> it literally was my favorite bat growing up of all the metal bats I swung by far my favorite bat. Yeah, no, it, it's awesome. And I remember everybody telling me, do not take that into a batting cage because it has the thin walls. So, I mean, the ball's going to like, you know, pop off that bat. But if you take it to the batting cage, you're going to you're going to ruin it. That bat seemed a little ahead of its time. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it was a and beauty. the fact that the last twenty something years, you know, these bats nowadays they just they just kids bats just don't last that long anymore. We had know? a pitching coach at LaSalle, uh, Julio Rojo, who's a I mentioned him on the on the podcast before. He was a, a pitcher in Cuba, pitched I think in like 
60s and 70s. So, you know, my dad was already here, so he didn't see him pitch. But some of my uncles watched him pitch in Cuba. And, like, I was a tremendous pitcher. And um, I remember, like, he came up to me one day, and I'm like, bro, is this guy, like, a spokesperson for Copperhead or something? <laughs> he was like, hey, oye, mandito. Well, that's how you would begin everything. Oye, mandito. Tu bateas muy bien. Pero necesito un copperhead. Un copperhead. So, yeah, That's you awesome. hit very well, but you need a copperhead. And, and everybody on the team, I, th- I felt, had a copperhead. Were you like, were you, were you a share your bag guy or no? No, no. I, 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 no, I, no, people, no. I never shared my bag. No, no. I, my, my bag was, was my mine. Bag. And yeah. uh, if you didn't have one, then I, you <laughs> have to ask somebody else. But <laughs> my I never, bag was my, bag. my dad was like, oh, you know, my dad was like, oh, your stuff is your stuff, you know, and, uh, Oh, yeah, plus we, we spoke about this um, last week with, with Omar Falcón, you know, like a lot of kids now, yeah, you know, they, we, and, you know, they have the luxury, you know, our kids have the luxury that, oh, yeah, you know, you need this, you know, and Omar was saying that he's guilty, you know, like his kids want something, oh, you know, latest bat, latest this, you know, but when we grew up, you know, our, our dads would sacrifice to get us a, a copper head and, you yeah. know, the... The nice glove and all that. So, yeah, no parete nada. No, no, if you had an older brother <laughs> no like I did, nada. you know, you, you got the hand-me-down. Hand and, and it was good, good stuff, you know. You had to, you had to go. You yeah. had to go with it. But, SP, you know, to to begin, man, um, like I, like we said, you know, we we had Omar last, last week, you know, spoke very highly of you. We talked a lot about his experience, you know, growing up and playing and all that. So, I want to know about the SP experience. You know, when did you start playing – and what did you play growing up, and how did you begin your journey as a ball player? Yeah, so I started playing at seven years old, um, and you know anybody that knew me growing up, I think people just assumed that it was my dad that signed me up. It was actually my mom that signed me up to play <laughs> baseball, nice because I was running around the house, um, I was very active, and um, you know she just thought, all right, I need, you know, I need this kid to go do something because <laughs> he's nonstop at the house. Um, and she said that she had asked me what I wanted to play, and that I told her baseball. I, I don't remember this conversation, but that's what I wanted to do. And um, and I went right into coach pitch. I, I was too old for t-ball, but um, you know, obviously, I wasn't that great my first year. Um, I, you know, especially fielding. Um, it took me a while. I'll never forget. And I tell Kristen this story all the time. I'll never forget the first time I caught a ball by my like, like that they <laughs> threw it to me. It was like I was hooked. I love playing. So, yeah, I played. I started in Tamiami at 7. Um, my mom actually had signed me up late um, after the registration, but she met with Ovidio Acosta, who right. was like a nice. legend in oh, Tamiami, yeah. passed away a few years ago. Very nice, religious man. Um, and he found me a team. So from then on, I just I played my whole life in Tamiami. Um, I only played one season of coach pitch. Then I went to kid pitch. And I think at about my third or fourth season, that's when my dad actually started coaching the teams. Um, and, you know, luckily for, for you know, for, for me and Mike, you know, we played in a great era where every yeah. year there was a draft. It was yeah. exciting. You know, you, had, you, you, you got to play with different people every year, which is nice. You know, you kind of develop a network in that way. Um, and, um, and those were enjoyable years. I, I really enjoyed being in Tamiami. Tamiami is super important to me. Um, I spent my, the whole day on, on Saturdays at Tamiami. And I think we talk about this all the time. All the I don't time, know if, man. I don't know. I don't think it's like that anymore. We would love for it to be like that again. Um, so, you know, I played in Tamiami up until I was 14. Did, um, I didn't really do any travel ball. The only travel ball I did was 
right when the winter spring season ended in Tamiami, they created a pony league and there was like a short little season and then, and there was typically the better players from the normal season. And then from that season, they picked the travel team. So we, we went pretty far a couple of years. I remember we went to the pony world series in Texas one year. Wow. Um, we got beat because there was this Texas kid that threw curveballs, <laughs> and we could You're not like, hit him. We were, we were 10. <laughs> he was throwing the curveball that started at your front shoulder and we, he was unhittable. And those teams were always stacked. Those Tamiami, like special little event teams. Oh, the yeah. Hialeah, the ones that would go to Mexico, the ones that would travel. Yep. They were really, really good players. You know, you know, the little older than you was me. And, and you know, like the Manny Crespo years and all yep. those years of all those players, you know, like went through there. Man, those teams that traveled were really, really, really good. Really good really players. Good. Really. And then you had Omar last week. He was always on those teams. He was always among the best, best players ever come out of there. We had, um, you know, there was a nice era we got to play in, man. We were very lucky. Very fortunate. You know, uh, and, and then we talk about this sometimes. We don't even know how our parents would afford it now, you know, because back in the day, what was it? You paid 50 Yeah, I remember my dad going in and filling out a registration card and mm -hmm. paying a fee, you know, 100-something dollars. And yep. then I remember you just waiting for, like, someone to call you and say, hey, I, I drafted your kid, and this is our team name, and yep. we're going to have our first practice here. And it was very different, man, because if if it was raining at your – I remember sitting in the parking lot of Field 3 in Tamiami, yep. pouring rain, but I had to go because the only way to know if it was canceled was either showed up or the, the right. coach yep. was there or it was it was different, you know, or yeah. you was raining at your house. And I remember leaving in a pouring rain and getting there and the weather's fine. Very different now. No, you, you couldn't get a message different. on the band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Now I can't get a message on the band without having you know six messages ahead of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, it, it's just it's different. different. Yeah, no, it's different. But you know things change. You Omar know? had mentioned the bag that they would give the head coach that was filled with the helmets, All the helmets and the catcher's catch gear. Equipment. Oh my god! And you had to give it back at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Which is the cool thing about it. But. Those were good times, man. You know, the travel ball thing's taken over a little bit. You know, the whole recruiting and the stacking teams. And, you know, you run into some teams that are completely stacked. But then it's hard to, like, run into, like, regular, like, teams that play year-round together like us that, that are, like, super stacked because it's just so spread out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I think one thing I, that I love about Diamond Dreams is that they develop the players. You know, they have their practices. They work on things they're supposed to work on. A lot of these travel stack teams – they don't really practice. They right. just go to tournaments <clears throat> and they, yeah. they kick everybody's butt and no, oh, great, they got a trophy, <laughs> yeah. but then are you yeah, really developing? Yeah, that. what did you learn? I've never been able to, you know, do that, bring like a guest and and even when we brought new kids that that just don't fit, uh, it's kind of tough to like to like keep them, you know. But um, you know, we're gonna get our working, man. Yeah, we're no, no doubt. Working, you know, doing a good job there. Thanks, um, so then you know, I played in Tamiami. Um, from there, um, actually, right before I stopped playing in Tamiami, I think it was about 12 years old, and I, I want to mention this because it, it was really important, and it was a really important part of my development as a player. So when I was about 12, my dad's like, hey, I really can't teach you anything anymore. I, I, people keep telling me that I need to give you hitting lessons because you have a chance to, you know, play high school and, you know, whatever. And I always said, oh, hitting lessons. Everybody on our team that gets hitting lessons, they stink. You know, they get worse. And reluctantly, I went with my dad to get my first hitting lesson with George Diaz. 
George Diaz at the time was a scout with the Indians. He's a scout that signed me, by the way. Oh, George Diaz signed you. Yeah, oh my God, that's me, right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So George was my first hitting coach, and um, and and then I, George was the one that made my dad realize, hey, like you got something kind of different here. Um, he was always very good to me. We went weekly, and then it got to the point where my dad couldn't afford to take me weekly. He was taking me every three weeks. And then George ended up saying something to my dad, hey, um, what's going on? And my dad's, uh, you know, it's like, can't really do it. You know, it's like really a big sacrifice financially for me. Right. And he's like, well, let's do this. Don't ever pay me again. Bring him to me wow. every week. You know, That's so awesome. he started, you know, he brought, uh, my dad brought me every week. Um and that's when I actually started to learn to switch hit. Obviously, the mechanics, I started learning of how course. to really swing, how to go the other way, how to go up the middle, how to pull the ball appropriately. When I did that, I would, then I because I was already a good player, but then when I did that, then it was, like, ridiculous. Like, I, I couldn't get out, like, because I knew I was ahead of the other guys because guys right. weren't really getting lessons. Right. Right. But then I started switch hitting, too, and he was the one that told me, you really need to switch hit. Because I feel like you can go far and this is really going to help you. So I started switch hitting. I got, my dad did the awnings at Grand Slam batting cages. And part of the price, I gave him a break, it was give my son a membership. Nice. So I started hitting at Grand Slam 10 rounds a day, every day after school. <laughs> yeah. That's 180 that swings awesome. a day, by the way. That's, that's awesome. 180 that's awesome. swings. Listen, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big believer on the machines. You know, some of the better hitters that we have in the program, you know, Justin Caminas from the 10U team, Abraham. Listen, there was they, – they live there, man. Mm -hmm. Like, they're always there. You know, it, at, at the end of the day, you know, that pitch is going to give you an opportunity to make a decision. Yep. And then the opportunity to hit the middle of it, whether it's down the middle, whether it's a little in, yep. whether it's a little – it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? And those eyes are working and working and working and working and working. And, and, and people don't realize it, man, but tokens are huge. You know? Yeah. Huge. I was telling Mike that I used to, with my dad, we would go to Malibu Castle, Castle yeah. Park, there by Malls of the America. Oh, wow. And they had like the, you know, the, the, the batting cage in the back. And I, my dad would rent it either 30 minutes or an hour. And I would just hit and hit, hit and hit. And, hit. and sometimes, you know, we come with a with a buddy and they'd hit as well. But yeah, very very important to get your your swings in. Yeah, you got you gotta hit, man. You wanna be a better hitter, you have to hit. You, you know? And then um there was actually a, a period, I don't know if it was about a year or two years, when Sluggers opened in ninety six ish. Used I to be there all the time. I was there every day. Uh, when Alex okay, when Florine was there. You know, I would hit there. But then when Alex Suarez and Roberto took over, my dad built some awnings around the building, you know, around the common area. And, again, my dad gave him a discount. He's like, give my son a, boom, boom. a, a, a you know, membership. Doing whatever it took. Ten rounds a day. I had, I wouldn't say I did this every day, but I had days where I hit ten rounds both at Grand Slam and then at Sluggers oh because awesome. I wanted to learn to switch wow. hit. That's awesome. And I took 300 and... 60 swings every day. SB, I tell the awesome. whenever I recommend switch hitting to anybody in the program, um, I, I make it clear to them that that doesn't mean that like you you get one of our batting practices and cut it in half and do half lefty, half righty. No, it means that you do one full batting practice lefty, one full batting practice righty. Like to be a switch hitter, like you said, you had to double the load. Yep. So to be a switch hitter, if you take 150 swings a day uh, lefty and you want to or righty and you want to switch hit now, you can't cut that day into 75 and 75. No, you're adding something, so it's got to be the 150 
plus the 150 yeah, if you yeah. want to be a true switch hitter. No doubt. And it's so funny. Omar texted me yesterday because someone's a switch hitter. I was like, he's got a hit. 180 swings a day. Every day. That's awesome. You know? And I know that there's not, like, I was lucky because they had memberships where you could get 10 tokens a day. And that's something that maybe down the road we do with swing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, um, I told him that, um, you know, he just has to swing a lot every day. And um, I didn't do it in games. Like, in real games that mattered until my junior year, um, I did it in practice games. Um, I did it in fall league games. I did it in summer ball games. The, what was tough for me, then, whatever, I, I, I developed into a good player. My first two years, I went to Westminster Christian. I couldn't switch it there because it's Westminster. Like, I played JV for about maybe half a season, and then I went to varsity. I wasn't going to be – I didn't even switch it in JV. You know, so I didn't switch it there. And then my sophomore year, I didn't switch it either. Was Hoffman still there? He was still there. So when Hoffman left, um, I ended up going to Gulliver. And kind of to, a little backstory about the Gulliver thing, J.C. Diaz was at Gulliver. And he was the one that also gave me hitting lessons. George Diaz. George's and brother, right? George's brother. Awesome. So George Diaz had moved from his house in Kendall where he had the cage, and then he couldn't have a cage anymore at the new house. So he sent me to J.C. Diaz, and that's who he gave me. Le- like, I got lessons with him, and he really helped me. And then from there, J.C. connected me with Mandy Palaez. Mandy Palaez is a really good player at FIU. He's been coaching high school forever, um, really tough, worked my ass off in the infield because I was not a good infielder growing up. I, like, I was just an athlete that did things, but I was inconsistent, and he really helped me. SPB, you were a plus-plus runner, though. Right? Yeah, like yeah. what? Like your sixty was your best sixty ever that you ran was was a six four. Yeah, that that's that's really fast. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you played shortstop. I remember. I remember sometimes a little bit on the mound at times. You used to run it up there, right? Yeah, what we're looking at. What yeah, we're looking at. I was like 93, 94. All right. Um, I had a lot of movement on the ball. I had natural sink, and um, it was very. I didn't pitch a lot, so but I. It was in the, for the high school level. That's tough stuff. And then you you yeah. played some outfield, center field. No, in high school I never. No, played but outfield. when you got to when you got to pro ball, pro ball, I ended up playing center field and right field. Um, so yeah, and then you know. And the speed gives you the ability to play many different. Yeah, yeah. When you can run, I mean, it opens a lot of doors for you, especially as Absolutely. you move up. You know, I was always a good runner. I, I was always fast, and I think, believe it or not, as stupid as it sounds, I think I became fast because I was always running yeah. around the park. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember this game that we'd always play on Saturdays, manhunt. Oh, oh my God, God. manhunt! Those man. trees were the best for that. Yeah, anybody that listens to this <laughs> podcast that that played in Tam Miami around the era, manhunt. Wow, how nostalgic! The, the last time I played manhunt was uh, my brother was playing at LaSalle, uh-huh. and I was an assistant coach. We went to go play at, in Naples, and the hotel that we stayed at was next to a golf course. So at oof. night, oof. When all the lights were off or whatever, bro, like, and I remember my brother went, ran across the whole golf course and he was like <laughs> hiding in some other hotel. And I'm like, Albert, where are you? I'm like, dude, you took it overboard. But dude, mentioning, mentioning that time that I was at LaSalle, my brother was there. You played us, uh, your fr- my brother's freshman year, your senior year. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was talking to one of my brother's uh, teammates, Raul Mouse. We would call him Horace because uh, I think the guy pitched every single game. I mean, that guy's arm was like rubber. Uh, he, he was our workhorse. But I asked him, I'm like, because he listens to the podcast, I'm like, hey, bro, I don't remember. You, you pitched that game, right, against uh, against uh, SP? And he's like, no, man. I was, in the, I was in right field, 
and my claim to fame that that game, SB hits a home run and I run right through the fence. Yep. <laughs> so he, he wanted me to mention that. So Raul, if you're listening, hey, you know, watch out for that fence at Gulliver. But <laughs> when, when you were when you were in high school, when we played that game. There, there was a lot of hype around you. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, we, oh man, we're gonna play Gulliver, David Espinosa. Oh man, he's so good. And you know, you you, you lived up to the hype <laughs> in that mm-hmm. game. So in in high school, when did you realize like, hey, I I got a shot to to play in the in you know to get drafted immediately right out of high school. I didn't really so when I was wrapping up at Tamiami and getting lessons, I was just so consumed I want to play high school baseball. And then by the time in between my eighth grade year and freshman year, I I had an opportunity to go to Westminster. So I ended up going there. Um, but while I was at Westminster, um, I was a freshman. Um, the, there was a senior named Jose Nicholas, who I think I'm oh, not sure. yes. Quintana. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Played against them probably a lot. You guys are about the same age, or yeah. maybe you're, he, you're he, younger. He, than he, he was good. Yeah, he Big had dude. huge tools. I mean, physical specimen. Yeah. He ran like a six six. Had had huge power. Um, center fielder just looked apart. Looked like a big oh, bigger yeah. in a uniform, <laughs> honestly. But his dad who, you know, he passed away like a few years later. I, I remember he came up to me. He's like, oh, you're going to be a first-round pick one day. And I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> what is a first-round pick? What does that even mean? Because I didn't know. I was just playing baseball. I just wanted to play high school. And then maybe from there, okay, I want to go to college and maybe play baseball and get like a free education. So at that point, like, I, I, I was on the radar like, oh, what is this? Oh, he told me what it was. And then Jose had a lot of scouts at games like, oh, okay, these are MLB, t- whatever. So that's when it got first put on my radar. Again, it was just something that I never really thought about. I think when it became... When did oh, it pick up steam, though? Because it, it was were for you and Luis Montañez, which yes. was also a local uh-huh. freshman one with the Cubs. Yeah. Dude, it, it, it snowballed, and it was quick. Yeah. Like, it, it, like, like when was it, like, where you were like, like, did you ever look in the stands and be like, whoa, or the agents or, <laughs> yeah. or the advisors, you know what I mean? But, but when was it that you were like, Okay, this can this can change my life. I think there are two moments. One was my between my junior and senior year that I went to the USA baseball trials and there were really good players there. Matter of fact, I'll never forget this conversation. I called, you know, with the quarter in or whatever, mm-hmm. I had That's to call home. And I told my dad, I don't know if I'm gonna make this team. There's a lot of really good players, you know. Um, was Kiki even go chair in those teams? No, he was no? older than me. Oh, okay. Kiki's a year older than me, so he wasn't there. Kiki played on the college national team. This is the 18 and under right, team. Right, right. But um, I ended up making that team. Nice. And then I led the team in hitting. I made <laughs> a play that literally we we won the gold medal because of the play I made. Wow. And what after was the that, play? what was the play? Okay, yeah, we're you playing. Tell us. Yeah, yeah. I have to show you the video because I have it. Oh gosh, um, geez, I have absolutely. it at home on a on a whatever uh, one of these. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We definitely want to thumb see drive. That. Yeah, thumb drive. So it was. We were play- first off. The the semifinal was against Cuba. Us against Cuba, which was they were a juggernaut, unbeatable, and we beat them two to one. Oh, three to two. In that game, I hit a two RBI double that gave us the lead, and we won. And um, and then we win the championship game against Chinese Taipei, which is Taiwan. Really good. They really were they were always good. Super yeah. fundamentally sound. Like they pitched backwards and stuff. <laughs> and and Cuba did too. Like I think they had older players, but anyway, um, they were really good and they can really hit. Very pesky. But it was a back and forth game, and it was I think it was ten to nine, 
bottom of the ninth, and first and second, one out. Uh, no, actually, it was man on man on second, one out. Our pitcher had a guy on 0-2 or 1-2, and I'm playing third base. The guy hits a swinging bunt. But what made the play hard is that it was raining all game. <sighs> so imagine a slow roller. The tying runs at second. I come in on a ball that is a wet ball, and I have to barehand it and throw it to first, and I made the play money right in the chest. Wow. Two outs, man on third. The next guy got out, game over. But if I eat the ball... The yep. game-winning runs at first, the mm-hmm. tying runs at third, and there's one out with a team that doesn't strike out. Right. Yeah. You know? So that was a huge play. That's like the most memorable play I've ever made. You were know? you comfortable at third? At yeah, At that yeah. time already? Yeah, I, you were. You I were... played third at Westminster okay. my freshman and sophomore year. Okay. Um, I played sparingly shortstop at Westminster. I went to Gulliver. I played shortstop, and that's all I played from, from there on out. But that was a big moment. After that, after that summer, that's when it really picked up. Um People were always at my fall games. But then the second moment was where I was like, oh, you know, damn, <laughs> was the very first game of the season. We were playing a tournament at Westminster Academy. And I just, we go out to stretch, just to like stretch. And there must have been 50 people there between scouts and cross checkers and even directors watching literally everything I do stretching, playing catch. Like how you, like literally everything. And that was like, oh man, there's a lot of people here. And then during that game, I'll never forget, we had a starting pitcher who had a great arm, a lefty, Travis Neesmith. He was like a low 90s lefty um, with a nasty breaking ball. They were there to see him too. And then I'll never forget the first pitch, like 30 guns go up. And I was like, oh my God, I can see it from shortstop. Because, and I don't know if you've been to Westminster Academy, they have like pretty big stands that you can see everything. So that game, I was like, oh my God, you know? So that year was, was a, you know, it was exciting because I think the reason why I was able to kind of block it out, I never paid attention to the scouts in that way. or I never tried to do anything. I was really just trying to win games. You know, we had a really good team. Do you, I mean, you, you remember some of the players we had. We had a chance to go really far. So I was just consumed with winning games, and I just I was playing the win, and I played well. You know, but I'm not going to lie to you. Like a lot of times when I had really good games, there happened to be a lot of people there. Um, Doing it at the right time, at yeah. the right moment. Because yeah. I remember, Espy, you, you, what pick number were you? 23rd. You were 23rd, but mm-hmm. you could have went number one, I think. Yeah. Like I, I remember, you know, a couple of days before the Marlins being like, yeah, we're, we're going to take this local kid. And then I don't know if, I don't know, but. You, that was a big range there for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll explain what happened there. So, yeah, the Marlins were considering me and Adrian Gonzalez and a, a pitcher, um, Adam Johnson, I believe his name was. Um, and what happened was the Boris factor then played the, a huge role there. And everybody that was a Boris client slid drastically. I remember the day before the draft, Scott called me. He's like, hey, just FYI. Don't be surprised. You slip a lot farther than where you think you're going to go. Real quick, Armando, just for the people that don't know 
the Scott Bohr. Who, right. Tell us, give us, give me a little rundown on on. He's basically the, guy's the goat. <laughs> the, guy, <laughs> the guy's the goat. The guy I basically mean, controls yeah. the MLB. Like when you, you know talk about I mean? agents and, and Major League Baseball, it's Scott Boris right. and then so, everybody else. So right out the gate, he's he's got the best guy. Yeah. Right out the gate, you know. Yeah. So it's absolutely. Like, so I was, um, <laughs> yeah. He he. They they just they're very smart. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so we all prepared. All right, I guess I'll slide, you know. And I had a team. The Twins called me the number two pick, and they said, "Hey, would you take two point seven five? And I'm like, "If you guys know me and did your homework, you know I want to play. I, right. I just want a team to draft me that really wants me." That's how I answered. I didn't say yes or no. Right. So they passed me over, you know, because in that year I think there was literally fourteen pre-draft deals in the first round. Guys that were picked higher that they weren't because right. for whatever reason teams were I don't know, they were trying to save money. I, I don't get it, you know? So I slipped to twenty third when I was a consensus top five pick. Like nobody thought I'd get past the fifth pick. You know? I ended up getting paid the third highest. Yeah, you bonus got you got paid, anyway. So yeah, right. That's um and the Reds took me, so you know. Um, but that's how um, that's how, that's why it happened in that way, you know. So you were still their first pick, yeah. You know, your first round yep. pick, and that you know, I had we had you know, I had like I told you, like if somebody that's never played tells me, oh Mike, you were an eighth rounder, and I, yeah, I see like Omar Fagunco, you're pick seventy nine, but now we got you know we got pick twenty. What was the 20, 23rd, 23rd, yeah. 23. You know, yeah. it could have been number one, but just because of little detail factors, but. You know, I, to me, like, the, like I don't know if people really understand, like, how, like, like just big time that is at that moment for these kids. Like, dude, it's 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 the United States, man. And then the, the moment, boom, you're the moment you sign, you're you're now competing with the world. Yep. You know what I mean? And um, I just the and also I just think all those experiences mold life, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, baseball teaches you a lot, you know. I'm very grateful for baseball. It, it, it's it's really taught me a lot. It's a very great it's a great network, and it's funny. Like my wife and I, I talk about this a lot. My our kids are at St. Louis, and um, I'm in like a St. Louis Father's Ministry. All those dudes played baseball. All of them, you know. And we all either know each other, or heard of each other. Everybody's heard of sluggers and the batting cages, yep. so everybody's yep. super excited that you know we're renovating it Absolutely. and everything. And um, Baseball's so great, man. It, yeah. It's such a great thing. I just, it's like, a, you know, that's why we all love it. You know? No, when you when you were telling that story of, you know, standing there and you're just literally stretching and you have 50 people watching you, I went back and I'm like, man, that 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 was so cool. That's cool, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're at a game. Or, I mean, at, La, at LaSalle, we didn't have too many prospects when I, when I played. But, you know, there was a couple guys and scouts would go and I was always like, Man, how cool! You know, one of one of the guys like he stopped playing after his sophomore year, and and he was already getting scouted because he said, "Man, like I've never really loved baseball. Wow. Not, I know I'm good at it, but you know, but but I always found it so cool. Anytime there was a any scouts at the game, you, you know, for me, it it's the obviously the scouts are there to see the Mac Daddy, the Daddy Mac, obviously. But there is a secondary wave of opportunity that that day creates for everybody that's Absolutely. playing that day. And it's so important for people to, to understand, like, like, take advantage of those little, if you're a high schooler right now and you're going up a Mac Daddy arm or you're going up against, you know, a big time shortstop and you know people are going to be there, like, make sure you're at your best that day because out of those 50, 60 people that are there, 
dude, maybe one says, you know what, I'm going to see that kid. And then maybe you go to junior college somewhere. Maybe he runs through his notes one day. It happens to match up that you're at the same event. You do something three years down the line, and you got yourself an opportunity that was created by that moment. So the secondary wave of what that day creates for everybody else, to me, man, is huge. It's yeah, huge. I mean, you hear stories all the time. I mean, you're always being watched, even if you may not be being watched that day, but people will see you. You know, yeah. I got a couple stories about that that are related to that. One I thought was important. It's actually from my senior year. It's kind of early in the season. And that's why when I have advice for kids that are playing, you do just assume you're being looked at all the time. Yeah, because absolutely. Um, they are looking at you, you know, especially like if you're like a, you know, a highly rated player. You're going to have bad games. Matter of fact, they are really going to bear down on you when you're having a bad game. Oh, yeah. Right. And I'll never forget this. I had a bad game. I went 0 for 4. I think I even made an error. But we, we ended up winning the game. And I was walking back to our team van in St. Lucie for where it was a tournament that was there every year. I think they still do it anyway. But um, a scout came up to me. He's like, hey, just so you know, I watched the way you played. I, I really liked the way you um, compose yourself because – you had a bad game and people see that and like, you know, no one likes to have a bad game internally. I was pissed, <laughs> but you know, you got to have the discipline to just turn the page and Absolutely. move on. And I was able to do that. Um, by that time, you know, it may be, you know, if I was younger, you know, like, you know, you're pissed, you're probably moping or something, but I was pretty mature for my age at that time. Um, and I had to be, so, you know, that was a big factor. Now, to add to your story, Mike, and it reminded me of the player that I signed when I was with the Marlins. So there's an independent league pitcher that I signed that I saw because I went to go see somebody else. No one had told me about this guy, literally. I'll tell you the story because, you know, you said you want a story. This Absolutely. is a great story. Yes, this, yes, is, uh, yes. this has been in newspapers and stuff, maybe not in this detail. But in 2016... I was in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, I like to go there because it got me near a lot of independent teams. I was an independent league coordinator for the Marlins, so I literally found, tried to find players that at least had a chance to play in the big leagues and the indie leagues. So I was doing that. I, uh, I had to watch a game in where I thought was St. Louis area, um, a town right outside of there. But I had looked at the schedule wrong. The team wasn't playing there. They were actually playing in Evansville, Indiana, which was seven hours away. Wow. But oh. the, 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 um, the manager for this team that had two relievers with really good arms didn't pitch his guys so because he knew he was going to throw him the next day. So I was like, oh, I'm, I, I can't not go. I have to just get in the car. I got there barely on time. He threw his relievers. But what was interesting is that day, the starter for the other team, was Trevor Richards. And I remember I was like, man, this kid's got a nice arm. He's like 90, 91. Uh, good delivery, considering, you know, he's still pretty young. And a devastating changeup, you know. Didn't have a good breaking ball at all. It was pretty bad. But the changeup really stood out to me because I was a switch hitter, and I saw a lot of changeups, and I know what a good changeup looks like. So I put him in in our system. I literally gave him a major league grade. I was like, I think this guy could be like a long man or something in the big leagues. You know, he doesn't have a third pitch. Um, you know, I talked to our player development people. He's like, well, we believe we can develop a breaking ball. Maybe we, we, we got something here. We signed him, I think, two weeks after. He absolutely dominated uh, when we got him. Um, the next year, um, 
he went to high A, made the all-star team, went to double A, killed it, was our minor league pitcher of the year. There he goes. The following year, he made the team out of spring training. There you go. He's the fastest independent league signed ever to get to the big leagues without like having any affiliate experience. And he earned oh. it. But I wasn't there That's to see awesome. him. You know, I just was like, oh, my God. No, and not just that, but before that, you had to make a decision that you're going to drive seven hours, (laughs) which is a a big thing of that story that people need to realize. That's awesome. You don't get in that car and you say, you know what, I'm going to stay and watch this local. That doesn't happen, man. Maybe none of that happens. Exactly. And you know what was crazy about that kid? He was already looking for jobs. He was going to just play that year, and that was it. And he's in the big leagues. He's probably made like over a million dollars. He's still in the big leagues, by the way. He's about to hit his fifth year in the That's big awesome. leagues. That's this awesome. isn't a guy that got a cup of coffee one month, and which is an accomplishment in itself. But this is a guy that signed for zero dollars, yeah. and he's gonna he's approaching his fifth year in the big leagues. He's not an all star or anything, okay. but he's in the big leagues. It's okay. You know, Man, we, were, Every- we were saying this last week. You know that that on on the podcast and you know when in, in talk shows and all that, you, it, it's very easy to be like. Oh man, you know, a deep boy through muerto, you know, and this and that. But there are no muertos in the major leagues, man. No. Like no. you're, if no. you make the majors, no. you are the best of the best of the best. Listen, uh, and if you're not that good of a big leaguer, um, every two weeks when that direct deposit goes in, you're reminded oh, that you're pretty good. You yep. know what I mean? Like, what's the what's the league minimum on now? SB? It's like a like seven hundred, ten or something like 710, that. Seven ten, seven twenty. Wow. That's a lot of money to wow. be the guy on the bench. Or, or the guy that so just let's started. say seven hundred ten thousand divided by what one hundred sixty two games. We're looking at you know forty three forty four hundred bucks a game. Exactly. Every paycheck you're nice. getting what fifty sixty thousand. Nice plus that meal money on the road, man. No, no, it's a nice it's, life. It's beautiful. It's hey, a remember nice we were talking about um, the grades. Remember the fives, the six, the five right. is the average player, you know, in the big leagues. And I'll never, I'll never forget this conversation I was having with Gary Dembo a few years ago. Because, you know, something we were talking about scouts putting, like, really inflated grades. And I, I'm not saying that we want people's opinions. You give what you think he is. But, you know, a, a role five, an average everyday player. I remember Gary said this. It stuck to me. He's one of the best players in the world. Yeah. You're an average everyday big leaguer. You're yeah. one of the best in the world. Yeah. Don't forget about that. Yeah. So when you start throwing eights and stuff on guys, I mean, be careful. Or sevens, these guys are so I mean, they're just superior, super special, nice. you know, so. Um, so that's what we were talking about, you know, when before we we, we heard the story about uh, about Richard and, and, and the signing and all yeah. that. When when you were in in that position, you know, yeah. you're, you're or you're playing, you know, in the, in the minors. When was your first uh, like like, oh, shit moment like that you get there and you're like, Wow, like I'm, I'm here. Like this is, these are the best of the best, and and it's a, it's it's a, you know, a, a journey. It's a road. My first month in the minor league. So just so you know, I signed very late, and it really kind of there were in hindsight there are a lot of things that hindered my development. Late, 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 like what? What was late? Because I know I the signed, draft was June, right? I signed in September. So you missed the short season, a season, which starts right in June mm-hmm. and runs through August, which yep. is where the guys who signed go. So you missed that. I missed that. And then you signed in September, and then you probably went to an early instructs in what, February or no? no or you went straight to spring training? Instructs was in the fall still. I think they do it differently now. It was in the or You October. would go to an early camp. You probably went to an early camp. No, they didn't have an early camp. I went to major league camp nice. my first year. Um, I was on the 40-man roster, but... 
you know, I, I did. And after the fact, I realized how important it was. It would have been for me to play rookie ball because I didn't even know how to swing a wood bat. Kids now are swinging wood bats at 13. I didn't touch a wood bat till my senior year of high school. And it was a, a terrible sports authority, cheapy wood that had, that was awful, you know, and I didn't play rookie ball. I went to spring training and, um, I actually did very well in spring training and, the plan was I was going to stay in extended, which is because they knew I right. didn't have any at-bats. Right. What happened was there was this college senior pick that was a shortstop. He got in a bar fight and got his face beat in, oh, and they needed a shortstop. I was playing well in spring training, and they're like, well, let's just push him, make him, make him, you know. Make him work. So I didn't play rookie ball, and I went straight to full season ball without any at-bats in rookie ball, and that was a huge challenge. Um not more so for the competition. I think it was more so just playing every day, but it was playing in 20 degrees, 30 degrees. Yeah. I'll never forget this time. We were playing in Michigan early in the year. I had to play shortstop with batting gloves. And, bro, can you throw with batting gloves no, on? No. You have no feel for the ball. I no. didn't have any feel anyway without them. No. But my finger, my skin was cracking because it was so cold. So I was like, I have to wear batting gloves. I don't want like, my skin to fall off. You know, and I made a million errors the first month. I was like, wow, I'm a horrible player. You know, <laughs> um, I really struggled. Um, at one point, I think it was about at the two month mark. Actually, no, it was right before the half. And my uh, this guy, Mike Fishlin, called me. He worked for Scott Boris. He's like, hey, I spoke to the farm director. Just FYI, you're probably going to go down to um, short season. Um, because, you know, it's, they, they, he, he explained it to me. You weren't really supposed to be there, you know, for different circumstances right. to put you there. Right. And I remember, okay, yeah, I was already starting to feel better. I started getting used to it. It started getting warmer. And um, it's funny how it worked out. I think I was hitting 220 maybe at that point with one homer. And from that moment on, I don't know why, I started playing well. And I started raking. In the second half, I hit like 297 or something. Wow, that's big time. And I hit seven homers in the second half. And then I hit another one in the playoffs. Probably the farthest ball I've ever hit in my life. <sighs> Love that. Um, and I played the rest of the year in, for Dayton. And we made the, the playoffs. It was, it was a good year developmentally-wise. Not just as a player, but just for me mentally. Because I was in a... I remember I had this conversation with my dad. It's like, man, I don't know if I'm good enough like to be here. Like, I'm just super exposed right now, you know? But it was just because the reality is I shouldn't have been there. You know, I needed to play rookie ball. Like, like I'm a high school guy. Like, those guys have to go at least play rookie ball to get used to playing every day, swinging the wood bat. So it took me a while to adjust. So, you know, I did it. But, yeah, my oh, shit moment was really the first two months of the season. Like, wow, man. You know, like, it, it, I made, just so you know, I made 35 errors my first half of that season. In the second half, I made 11. Shortstop? Shortstop. 20-something of them were throwing because the first month, I was so in my head like, man, I can't feel the ball. And to compound things, my first baseman was not good. you know. <laughs> and another thing that kind of helped me, too, is that in the second half, they put a different first baseman. Right. We had like a guy that just, um, he was not very confident in himself right. he couldn't right. pick balls right. and couldn't help the infielders and but a lot of things kind of worked out well for me in the second half but i think the like i said the oh shit moment was the first month two months were rough for me it's 
especially mentally. I played against you once, Espy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, a reminder, 04, you were with Erie? I believe. Yeah, yeah, 04 and 05 part. And Double A, we were playing in Akron. Yeah. It's the only time we played against each other. No, no, you were in Reading. I mean, I was in, I was in, uh, I was in Reading, correct. I had already been in Rule 5, correct? Yeah, yeah. It was the uh, South... Eastern League, right? It, it was the Eastern League. Eastern, Eastern League. League, yeah. Yeah, double A. That was yep. nice. I remember playing right field, and SB, yep. I think he hit a double, and I remember saying, hey, hey, what's up to him before the game? You know? Yeah, yeah. But I remember I remember those days, man. Yeah. You know, it's good times. Who, who, yeah. won, the, who won the game? Uh, I don't know. It was a, probably a three-game set. But, but you know what? I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look that up. Like, I looked up the Omar Falcon thing. Me and Omar were back-to-back picks in the Rule 5 draft. Oh, my in God. The, in 03, so yeah. But, yeah, that was fun. The writing. Uh, Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard was there with me. Oh yeah, yeah he was. He got. He caught fire. Got, I think got, he caught fire. Yeah. He caught fire against yeah, us. I think, and he crazy. went on a crazy run. Crazy run. And Mike and I talked about this. Ryan yeah. Howard was hitting a hundred or something the first month yeah. with a million strikeouts, yeah. Yeah. and then all of a sudden he, you know, he found his rhythm, and the guy just was hitting homers yeah. every other. Did game. I tell you the Ryan Howard story of how oh, we started yeah. Double A? I mean, yep. it was sixteen in the game, over eight with seven punches. That's Next day, I, you know, doubleheader over six with seven with six punches, like. And then he just, you know, 50 homers later, he's... Yeah. He hit like the man. 48 homers after April. Crazy. Like April, he was Crazy. terrible. And I think it was Rookie of the Year the following year. And yep. then World Series MVP the following year. He got paid. And then he had that angle injury. And then yeah. the tendon injury. And, a big, yeah. big guy. Very Real big, big guy. guy. I have yeah. big hands. When he shook my hand, man, his hands were coming... Yeah. Four inches on my <laughs> wrist. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like... Good dude. Good dude. If he's listening. Hey, if he's listening. He's What's a very up, good dude. I I interviewed uh, Javon Curse one time, and you know Javon Curse. Speaking of the big hands, you know they called him the the freak, right? And he could put a ruler in his in his hand. Oh my god! Like a whole ruler. Wow. So I have a picture, and I'll, I'll show it to you guys later. I I run into him like after I interview him, I run into him at a at a club like yeah. a couple of weeks later. I'm like, hey Javon, you know, I was at your house. I interview you. Oh, what's up, man? Come and hang out, whatever. Took a picture with with him, and he has, like, his arm over me, and it's next to my head. And I look at that picture, and I'm like, man, if that guy would have would just do that and smack me in the face, <laughs> like, he'll knock my head off. Like, oh he'll probably, God. like, like break my neck. So when Mike's like, oh, Ryan Howard with, no, those, yeah, with oh. those mitts, I think Javon Curse, man, like, some people are just, like, naturally gifted, man. Know, it's yeah. just incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, going back, SP, to, you know, minor leagues, you know, you have – the moment, you know, Mike said a story, you know, with Mike Schmidt as his, as his uh, manager. Um, Omar was talking about catching Jamie Moyer. Oh, wow. What's, what's a story that you have with a guy who later became a big star or, or maybe somebody you came across in spring training who was already a star and you were like, wow, that's, that's that guy. One guy that really stood out to me in my career was right away, my first year was Barry Larkin. What a nice guy, man. And I don't Great know people shortstop. Tremendous. I mean, obviously Hall of Famer. Is he a big guy? He's not very he's about maybe my size, maybe a little smaller. Like in height. Right. You know, he was stronger than I was. Like, like twenty years, right? Yeah. He had a, a long time. I mean, Hall of Famer bro. But a lot of people don't know he's bilingual. The guy's really super intelligent, speaks very well, loves baseball too, man. Um but I'll never forget this. So you know, one thing about Big League Camp, I went a few times, like three times. Um, Big League Camp is actually kind of laid back. They don't do as much as a minor league camp. Minor league camp, I feel like you get more work in. 
Big League Camp is like, oh, you caught 10 ground balls. Okay, you're good. Like, you know, it was kind of like, man, what is this? We're not really (laughs) working here, you know? (laughs) But one day, uh, Barry um, pulled me um, aside. He's like, hey, let's catch some ground balls after the workout, and let's do some things. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And, you know, he worked with me at shortstop, gave me some good pointers. Um, And I thought, like, man, this is so cool. Like, he doesn't have to do this, you know? Um, So I've always really admired Barry Larkin because um, he, like I said, he, he didn't have to do that. You know, I'm just like, you know, 19 year old that is just at big league camp doesn't really play or, you know what I mean? And um, he took it upon himself to, you know, work with me. He did it probably about three times on, you know, just like kind of early in spring training. And I don't know, that stood out to me. He's a super pro. Um, I mean, he, he literally is, uh, I don't know. I just admire the guy. Great. No, and you're talking about one of the one of the greatest shortstop of all time. Exactly. Yeah. Period. And yeah. to add to the story, you know, to just tell you how much he loves baseball and he loves helping. When I took the job with the Reds as a cross checker, this was late 2019. It was before the pandemic. I went to DR for my first uh, like work trip, and he was there working with the kids. Awesome. And I mean, how he remembered me and everything like he, he you know, he, he knew who I was, you know, he remembered me. We talked for a while and it just goes to show you, he doesn't need to be down there. You know, he's got millions in the bank. He's a hall of famer. Um, but it's nice when things are done from the heart. Genuinely, you yep. know what I mean? Not forced organically. That's yeah. That's so again, another reason to admire the guy. Um, I have a signed uh, picture of him in my house somewhere. So, um, and you so, love to, you love to hear stories like that. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's, awesome. oh man, he's like, uh, like I said, and just to put things in perspective, like you said, one of the best shortstops ever, one of the best baseball players ever, because he's a Hall of Famer. You're yep. in the Hall of Fame, bro. You are a Roll <laughs> Seven or Roll Eight. Yep. You know, yep. Go, going back to what uh, I think you said it was Gary Dembo who, to, who oh, told yeah. you like. Best in the world. I mean, this guy's like in the point zero zero. Exactly. Yep. I mean, best oh, yeah. in the world. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Top notch. Um, but, yeah, you know, he, he's just someone to admire. That's for sure. A really good example. And that's when you went to to scouting and cross-checking and all that, What's who, who's the best guy that you ever that you ever scouted, that you ever saw, and you're like, wow, this guy's going to be, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned – you mentioned Richards, who wasn't supposed to be and became uh, a major league baseball player still. But who was one guy that you're like, wow, this guy has the goods and, and he was the goods in the bigs? There's a guy that we're just still kind of waiting to see what he becomes. But the best pure hit tool that I ever saw in the minor leagues was Juan Dare Franco. He's a switch hitter that's with the Rays. Yes. I saw him as a 17-year-old and advanced rookie ball this isn't even like florida this is like the appy league which is a little higher level he absolutely destroyed this league i saw six games he only swung and missed once and it was on a three two splitty that graded was an above average splitty borderline down you know Besides that, he never swung and missed. When he swung, he didn't even hit foul balls. He just hit the ball barreled and hit it forward. I saw him hit three homers. I saw him hit homers from both sides. At 17. At 17, he hit the ball <laughs> line to line. And I thought, I put an 80-bat future. Wow. I just didn't know if he could play shortstop because he kind of had a developed body already. Um, I put him in as a 
batting champion second baseman or something like that. Nice. Special. Um, he he's done well in the big leagues. Uh, we, Signed a big contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did. Still waiting to see. He wore the I, gold shoes, right? The gold shoes on open. I think he. I think he'll win a batting title one day. I think so. I don't know what else is supposed to look like. I've never seen a guy hit like that in the minor leagues. Awesome. Um, so yeah, the they bat- locked them in, man. They locked them in. They 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 knew. They, they yeah. When you have those guys, you know. Except the Marlins who go out and trade Miguel Cabrera, uh, but you know those guys, man, you keep. You know those those guys are are special. When you're looking at them at 16, 17, you know, I I I mentioned, you know, I remember in 90, 96 watching Andrew Jones oh, playing yeah. in the World Series, you know, on, on on TV. You know, I'm a big Yankee fan, and this guy just at eighteen destroying. Oh. Major League pitching in the World Series yeah. at mm-hmm. eighteen. Yeah. You know, like. I remember going, you know, when I used to work in television uh, at, that was at Channel 51, I went and covered Miguel, hey, you know, go to the park, you know, Marlins, we used to go often, but it was Miguel Cabrera's first game. Yeah. Guy hits a walk-off against Tampa Bay in his first game. There's some guys that you just know that they're special. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And you know one thing, like, once I started scouting... I, I kind of thought back to guys I play with and be like, wow, I can see why, from a scout's perspective, they thought this guy would be, you know. Because, for instance, the on that USA team that I, that I played on, Joe Morrow was on that team. Oof. And he was the backup catcher. Wow. And he made the team. He was younger than me. He actually was supposed to be on the 16 and under team, but he was such a special bat that... And a great athlete. I mean, Joe Meyer was like 90, 90 yeah. plus on the mound. Yeah. He was supposed to start at quarterback yeah. at Florida State. Yep. He was, Joe yep. Meyer was, again, as a scout, you look for athletes. The most athletic person you can get. And those guys, you can get, make something out of them. Joe Meyer was the National High School Football Player of the Year and the National High School Baseball Player of the Year. <laughs> wow. So, obviously, the number one pick. But what stood out to me when I thought back to Joe, Joe's swing never changed. He had the best swing I've ever seen. Smooth. Smooth, smooth. clean, everything barreled. The reason he didn't play on the USA team is he couldn't catch. He was overmatched because everybody threw 90-plus. He was from Minnesota. He was was one of the guys I was close with on the team. He said that he'd never seen velocity like that. You know, he was used to facing guys throwing 78 and 80. You know, everybody on our team was 90-plus up to 95, and he just they couldn't put him back there. But they DH'd him a couple games, and sure enough, doubles, rockets to the wall, never swung and missed. Never swung and missed. Hey, Espy, uh, talking about catchers really quick and, and the draft and the scouting, in the international draft a couple of days ago, the San Diego Padres gave this catcher kid Ethan five, Salas. Ethan Salas, what five point two million? Five point six, I think. Right, five point six million. Yep. Tell us about this kid. It's so funny. I just mentioned Joe Maurer. This guy, re- he reminded me of a smaller Joe Maurer. I put kid, that on my report. This kid, real deal or what? Like he's really good. Um, How does he compare to his brother? He's he's. Definitely going to be an elite catcher. Yeah. Um, his brother's going to be, his brother's a good player, really good basketball. I've seen, the thing is, I've seen both of them. I know the dad. I'm friends with the dad. I know them very well. Um, I actually, when I went to go see Ethan Salas, it was actually, I, I, it was during the pandemic, but I took my, uh, 
I took um, my family with me because it was they have a house in Kissimmee. So we went to Orlando, and then we did, you know, we did some things there and, and whatever. And um, this kid's actions, like behind the plate, the way he throws the ball, the way he sets up at the plate was like, oh, my God, he reminds me of Joe. And he you was know? how old at that time? He was like 14. <laughs> okay. So at this showcase, it was at their field, and yeah, some people say that they know what's coming, whatever. He was turning 95 around. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, yeah, you could tell me a fastball is coming at 14. It would have blown my doors yeah, off. Yeah, still. yeah, not even close. And he's, and um, his like mannerisms or something just reminded me. Joe's very like, I'll never forget Joe's email because after the USA team, we would like keep in touch and his name was Joe Silk. You know, <laughs> Joe Silk 5 at AOL or something, you know. And uh, because everything Joe did was looked easy. That's what you want to see. Right. Athletes make it look easy, you know, and this guy does that. Ethan Salas has a chance to be very special. He's a, I put him in as a, he's a role seven. So he'll he's sign now and then he'll go into the, 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 the Dominican league or he'll yeah, go, he'll go the, to the DSL. He kind of has to, because I think Dominican summer league, it, it, not just for the development, I throw the money too, because if you go straight to here to rookie ball, I think they tax and they take half the money or right because of okay yeah. yeah so he goes there and it's good for them to go there okay, they're good. really young i know he's really good. good but he needs to go there because that's a challenge too yeah to play every day yeah but yeah the kids got a chance to be special and, and then you know what then the guy that the when i was with the reds that we also um committed to we committed like three million dollars a catcher he's right there with this guy i i want to say that they're very close in talent um but the guy we signed with the reds He's a catcher that runs a 6'8", and he has a 60 arm now, like a plus arm, a plus major league arm as a 16-year-old with above average power, like 55 raw power. Um, There's talent out there, man. Yeah, Yeah. but he's a righty-righty. I think, generally speaking, I think people will take the lefty hitting catcher, you know? Because Salas hits lefty. He's a lefty, yeah. And his older brother is a switch hitter. And, and he's in the Marlins organization. Yeah, yeah, doing well. I put his brother in as a role six player. You know, he's a very good bat. And he could play anywhere in the infield. Put him a second, short, third. That's what they have him playing. They kind of have him moving around. SP, you talked about, you know, Barry Larkin with his, um, you know, his passion for the game, going going to the DR, playing with kids. Um, and I'm, I'm sure he probably does that all the time, you know, if, if, he, if, he, if he's showing up doing that. You know, you're, you're at Swing Kings. See you all the time. You're there, very passionate about the game of baseball. Um, how else do you do you use your 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 passion for the game? Um, and how do you for you know what do you see in, in in the future? Because you love baseball, like like we love baseball. Yeah, I mean, I always want to do baseball related things. You know. Um, so your question is what what I yeah you're for still myself? scouting right? You're you're still involved. Yeah, with the- yeah. I had to uh, so I had to step down from my other position. The travel is too much. I really just want to concentrate on being with my family yeah. and developing that business because I think Went all two of us, and one on the way. One on the way. Another boy. My my wife is such <laughs> a rock star. With the boys. House full of boys, huh? Yeah, yeah. And they love my wife so much. You should see yeah, that. Bo- boys love their moms. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, another reason why I stepped down is because, like I said, I want to be with my wife, with my kids, really concentrate on the batting cage. Um, and, uh, man, I'm so much happier doing that. But, you know, as long as, like, you know, 
we have this batting cage. I'm always gonna have ties to baseball. Um, my boys are actually starting to love it. You know, that's me. And, and and soon you're gonna be putting together some pre high school stuff, right? We're gonna oh, have some yeah. workouts and some, some yep. batting cage time and some maybe some teams for the summer. Yeah, right? yeah. We have plans on having our own little academy, more older kids, just prepping them for high school. But we also want to do something. This wouldn't be till probably the next summer, but I do want to help kids. Um, get committed to colleges. So I do want to have a little summer program for uncommitted players. That's awesome. One of the things That's that, awesome. I, you know, I have friends that are in it and their kids are in high school. One of the things that I see is that all these summer programs, they love like boasting. We have this player, we have that player. But it's like that guy got committed like two years ago. He's a stud. Like you're not really helping him. He's already committed right. to Vandy. Right. What Like we need to help the kids that need to have a college set up for them. Like, so that's really what I'm concentrating. I really, not that that's I would. That's a great idea, man. Uh, that's not, awesome. Not, I don't really want, not that I would deny the kid that's committed to Vandy, but I'm not going to have nine commits playing every no, of position. Course not. Of course not. Like they're already yeah. good. Like yeah. we need to help the kids that need get the opportunity. To college. Yeah. So it'd be development. I could help them, um, you know, from the development standpoint, developing as a hitter, developing as a player, developing really everything, how to deal with failure. All those things. Ton of tokens. Swing away. Yeah, swing. Let's go. You got to hit. You got to awesome. hit. You want to be better? You have to practice hey, you on heard, your own. You heard it here first. Yeah. Like, you heard yeah. it here first. <laughs> and Mike knows Mike worked his ass off, yeah. too. You think Mike yeah. just went to his high school practice, took 10 swings in BP and called no, it a day? No. He did stuff on his own. Yeah. Everybody that moved on. The, let me tell you. You got to do your work. Let me tell you. And, and Mike played pro ball. And I, I, I know that, like, dude, like, what Mike did, I mean, he's still in a very small population. People who get to play pro baseball, matter of fact, just to play Division One baseball at all, that's an enormous accomplishment. Yeah. People yeah. think, oh, you know, you yep. just played college. Oh, yeah? Well, did you play? Yeah. Right. You, you got yeah. cut your, your sophomore year of high school, <laughs> you know, and you like to criticize people. People that can yeah. play beyond high school in a very small numbers, yeah. and if you go yeah. past that, it's a tremendous accomplishment. You know, but yeah, we're, I, you know, I think with everything I've learned, I just want to pass along people. I want to help them. I want to help develop. Um, I, I, I do like coaching. I was actually wanting to coach the, the thing with the Marlins just kind of happened. I actually sent my resume out to coach and the Marlins reached out because I had a, um, a friend of mine that got hired to be the, the, um, the director of pro scouting. And he was the the general manager for an indie team play that I played on. And he reached out to me and we always would talk like, man, the independent leagues are just like, it's an untapped resource for players. You know, I played up to AAA. I know I faced guys in indie ball that were like, man, these guys are really good. And they didn't even get drafted for whatever reason. And he said, hey, I have a position that I want to create. Um, would you be interested in this? And I said, absolutely, I would be interested in that. And it was for no money at all. Like the coaching jobs that I got offered were like almost double the money. But I'm like, no, I want to do that because it would allow me to come home and Absolutely, everything. Man. Absolutely. And uh, talking to people, they said, look, if you want to go far in baseball, you have to start in scouting because literally almost every single GM that's ever existed in baseball, at some point they were a scout. And the base for, for really for decision-making in professional baseball is evaluations of players. So I was like, yeah, like I'm not doing this to make – you know, 40 grand the rest of my life. Like I wanted to make a lot of money, yeah. you know, I mean, something I really like. So, um, that's how I actually got into scouting. You know? So SB, 
future GM of the of the of the Miami Marlins. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have you know listeners that have been writing to us and asking us questions. There's one guy, Dennis Baquero. He's a huge huge Marlins fan. Yeah, he actually texted me yesterday and he goes, "Hey, you know what? It's almost been five years." To the day that the Marlins traded Christian Yelich. And, you know, going back to those teams, SP, you know, Stanton, Ozuna, Romuto, Yelich, they had something special there. Thinking back, you know, the Jeter comes in and they want to focus on rebuilding the, you know, the, the farm and all that. I get all that. But do you think if that team had stayed together, could they have won something, at least a division title? The lineup in 2016 was like a World Series championship lineup. The problem was the pitching was abysmal. Um, and now it's backwards. Back- <laughs> Extremely yeah. you backwards. Know? Yeah. Um, it's very hard when you're a small market team. Um, scouting and development are have to be at the forefront. If you're not going to invest in players... You better invest in scouting. You got to find the best scouts and pay them very well because at the end of the day, you're not paying millions anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Um, they scouted very well. They hit on a lot of good players. Real Muto. I, you, uh, I don't know if we have time, but you want me to tell you the Real Muto story because it's an Absolutely. incredible story. Go for it. Um, Stan Meek, who is like a legendary scout, he's retired now. He was a director for the Marlins for a long time. Um, he is from Oklahoma. The local scout for like Oklahoma, Texas, whatever. It's like, oh, there's this shortstop and this Oklahoma City school that I like. Uh, people aren't really on him. I don't know why. He looks pretty good. And um, Stan's like, well, I'm home. Stan lives in Oklahoma. He was a director, so he always flew and he was never home. He's like, well, I'm actually home. Let's go see him. They went to a game, nobody in the stands. And um, the coach goes up to the scout. He's like, man, I'm so sorry. Our catcher got hurt. Um we have no choice. We have to put JT back there. You know, I'm sorry. And they're like, well, all right, we'll watch him anyway. And uh, he did some incredible things behind home play. He threw like a one eight when he's not really even a catcher. He showed a plus arm. He hit a home run. He was always a good hitter, but he was kind of like a below average, uh, like maybe fringe average runner. So, Teams didn't profile him as a shortstop candidate. That's why he wasn't very valued. He was a righty-righty infielder that right. was probably, they were not sure if he was going to hit for power or whatever. When um, they got done with that game, Stan's like, do not let them play him behind the plate. We don't want them. We don't want any team seeing him. They drafted him in the third round. Yeah. When they drafted him in the third round, there were area scouts that texted the area scout, what are you doing? He's a bad player. Yeah. You know, he's not, he doesn't profile. That's an awesome story. SB, how, how important is That's it crazy. for baseball players? Because, you know, let's let's admit it. You, we run into a lot of, my kid's a shortstop, my kid's a first baseman, my kid's a catcher. How important is it to, as a baseball player, be super duper duper versatile? L- look at that that day. The kid goes from shortstop to catcher. Yep. And ends up being in a World Series yep. as a catcher. Yep. So how important is it for for players to be versatile, but not only players to be versatile, but for parents to be open to the versatility where when the coach says, you got to go play third base today, it's listen, it's not a punishment. It's not. We're playing Little League Baseball. We're moving the kids around. Like, But how 
how important is that mindset? You got to have that mindset because you want to challenge the kids. It actually helps them become a better athlete. If you're just playing one position all day, every day, it, yep. you know, yeah, you do that in the major leagues. And even then, you see guys in the big leagues that are versatile. But anyway, yeah, at this age, like, play every position. Shoot. I mean, I, I know when I was young, I was like, oh, I want to try to play everything. Yeah. I used to catch. I, I played shortstop. That, yeah. I played outfield. You know, actually, in Tamiami, I caught a lot. Yep. I actually caught for years. Yep. I didn't even play shortstop, you know? And then my dad, when I started playing shortstop, my dad was very tough, too. Like, if I sucked at shortstop, he took me out, you know? But, yeah, kids need to be open. Like, look at it as an opportunity. Like, awesome, great. I get to play, like, center field today. Or today I get to play first. That's cool. And Maybe and I get to use that first baseman, which is kind of cool. It's a different glove. And, and it's just one game. Exactly. It's not the end of the world. Exactly. No, no doubt. You no know? doubt. Play every position. Learn. Man. 100%. 100%. The, 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 only, the only position I never played was catcher. But I pitched and I wasn't very good <laughs> either. Well, yep. But you played, hey, right? Played hey, anywhere. Every, oh, yeah. Every other position. You know, my my advice to 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 parents, um, Espy and Amandito, you've heard it before, is going through little league and not really T ball, but let's go beyond T ball. Yeah. Six U, seven U, eight U, nine U. Like let's worry about where we're hitting in the lineup. Like let's worry about that that more than we worry about the defensive play because the stick the stick can really carry you a long way. You got to hit. I mean, it, that's how you earn for the most part your playing time. You also got to be a good teammate. Of you got to come to practice. You know, do those things. But well, I mean, the fun part is hitting. Yep. You know, and you got to earn your spot. You got to earn your spot on the lineup. And b before we um, we transition really quickly to football, before we sign off. Speaking about playing every position, I remember when when I was in in little league, I you know playing at at, at Pascual, uh, I used to watch you know this week in baseball, and I used to watch all all the games and all that. And I remember Jose Oquendo played every position. Oh, that's every right. Position, and and I thought that was so cool. Yeah. You know, and they put him to pitch, Super and he cool. was like, Super I cool. think he hit a couple guys, and he was <laughs> laughing. But I, I'm like, man, that's really cool. So playing little league, I was like. I want to do what Jose Oquendo did. Yeah. So, you know, I would tell, hey, you know, can I play, I would play shortstop, but can I play second? Can I play this? Can I play first? Can I, you know, I just didn't play uh, catcher, but, you know, eventually I went from shortstop to second, but I played every other position. Not just that, and, and we used to play all those different positions with one glove. Oh, right. yeah. Like, like nowadays, like, like nowadays, <laughs> I, during practice, which is, is cool, because I want my first baseman to use a first baseman. Yeah. But I constantly, hey, go, go get your first baseman. And so if you're a kid out there, hey, man, more positions means more gloves. Exactly. Like, let's go. Exactly. <laughs> you need an outfield glove, an infield glove, you know, first yeah. baseman's man. That first base glove is cool, I man. just think versatil versatility is the way to go. And I, I think that versatility is, is going to be a big part of baseball in 15 years. Yep. Yeah. You got to do everything that helps you become a better athlete. And that's yep. one avenue right there. And, um, and then just to kind of go back a little bit to the JT – Great athlete, high school quarterback, baseball, basketball. You know, that's all the things that kind of put it all together for our directors. Like, we're going to take that guy and we're going to steal him. Yeah, Dave, Dave Winfield got drafted in every in, in the major sports, uh, NBA, NFL, athlete. Major super League athlete. Baseball. Super athlete. I know, you, I know you mentioned yeah. the story. I, I, it reminded me of one more story. I'll try to say it as fast as I can. Mike, uh, Mike or Giancarlo Stan had a, a oh, kind of a – story like that too Giancarlo Stan was a terrible high school player you know um but our our director 
Um, and a lot of the area scouts weren't on him because he had a football scholarship and he swung. He didn't swing and miss. He chased a lot of breaking balls. He, you know, but our scout, when he would see him all the time, he would hide like behind the fence somewhere and just scout him with binoculars because they didn't want teams knowing that we were on him. And uh, we drafted him in the second round. And s- same thing. Uh, why did you draft him that high? He's going to, well, there you have it. Three hundred million dollars. There you have I mean, it. Whoever was signing these guys, ca- Caballos. There you yep. have it. There you have it. <laughs> yep. Caballos, but really quick, Dolphins make the make the playoffs. You know, they they exit, but they did a much better job against the Buffalo Bills than than I thought. You know, going with your third string quarterback, they they had chances to win. I mean, there were there were chances to win, but I mean, my my takeaway from the game is, hey, you know what? First year coach, you play with a third string quarterback. You know your 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 starter is you know with the concussions and all that. There's a chance you could you could compete next year because the best the best team in your division, probably the best team in the conference, barely beat you any yep. other times. I mean they, it was just very minuscule. I think they need to fire their defensive coordinator, hire somebody else, some changes in the positions. I know Mike is big on changing the the, the quarterback, which, uh, but you know oh they got to make God. some decisions. Okay. They, they just said that Tua All is right. going to come back next year, but I think you need you need somebody, even if it's you know, as a backup, whatever that that could sling the ball because you Amando. have you have the stud Caballos de Caballos at wide okay. receiver. Yeah, Armando, my biggest takeaway is the fans, bro. You know, and I want everybody to take a listen because everybody that I spoke to about the game had the Dolphins slaughtered had the Dolphins yeah. not showing a damn Reno didn't show up remember do we talked about that everybody talking about and there was one person one person he's sitting right across me David Espinosa that said hey you never know yeah. they gotta gear up and I said it on the last podcast they got a game plan they gotta uh, have a great hell of a week of practice and then they gotta go there and execute and the biggest takeaway for me, because to me it doesn't matter if you play with the first, second, or third rounder, because for the, Tua has a ton of bad days. You know what I'm saying? So um, my biggest takeaway was just that, dude, the fans, like there's no like, let's get behind our third, our third round quarterback. Let's support and let's push and let's push and let's push. I'm used to being the last one on the ship alone until it sinks. Like I'm just, you know, and I'm talking about everybody. Like everybody had the Dolphins slaughtered. Listen. Here are the facts. They won the first uh, confrontation by three. Mm-hmm. They lost the second confrontation by three. They went into halftime of this game winning. down by three. Oh, yeah, down by three. Almost and then they lost the game by three. That's the reality. Like, and I'm just, you know, like, like to me, the proof is always in the pudding, but... I just I, I didn't have that vision of them getting slaughtered. I had the vision of a, of them going out there and competing because, you know, their inexperience hurt them. I think at the end we also had some you know with our third string quarterback. Dude, we had some drop passes there that, that 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 Guado, 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 Hill, Guado, Guado, David, Kaseki. you and your prime, you catch that. You know what I mean? So so I'm just my takeaway was I'm just disappointed, man, and and every and the people I spoke to, that slaughtered, slaughtered. Even you know, I'm, did Demarino end up not going? disappointed man dude i'm disappointed that he didn't have their back like that i'm disappointed man that 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 has me that was my biggest takeaway 
Yeah, look, and I I think that this team, you know, has has a future. I think their coach is very good. Yeah, he made some mistakes. You know, I'm I'm in a few Dolphins chats with friends or whatever, and they're like, "Oh my God, McDaniel!" Look, he's a rookie coach, man. Like he's he's okay. learning the game. Like everybody else is not. You go from running game coordinator to head coach in in the league. He, he did a good job. Hey, he did you a know, good job. The 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 Broncos guy. You know, they they went job. out and and spent money on Russell Wilson and all that. And hours after they finished their last game, or not even, I don't even think he made it to the end of the season, they fired him. We got a guy who, you know, put up one of the best coaching performances, I think, this season in the NFL. He had some tough cards dealt to him, for sure. No no consistency with the quarterback, you know. I think I have to share the same concerns with Mike. I mean, he's had a couple concussions. I mean, it's... Those end up becoming easier to yeah. get. Like he just has a little fall, and I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I, my impression is that there's some concern there with his health. I I read on the way here that the oh that the Dolphins are the that he will be cleared to play, you know, next year that he'll be able to continue. That's a bad bad ending for me. Like, you know, if you're a Dolphin fan and you want Tua to come back. Uh, for next year to play. Okay, now what's gonna happen on the first concussion? Exactly. What's gonna happen now? Now you're a year later. Now you're done. Now you're still dealing with the same situation that you know is not over. So if if you're still hoping for two of the come back, two of the man, guys, no, no, he gets one more concussion, guys. It, it's not worth it. We need to go out. We gotta sign Brady. Or sign or this other or guy, or trade for Rogers, um, or trade I, for Lamar Jackson, and or we got to do something. But again, for Are the longevity, you look at Trevor Lawrence, man. Trevor Lawrence took him down by twenty-seven. Yep, after throwing four interceptions. Big guy, huge. The future of the program, the future of the franchise. We need to get somebody if we want to be with Mac Daddy with those receivers. Guys, we need somebody. Yeah. Need hey, somebody. There's a very real thing called CTE. No man. A lot of players have committed suicide. Have done. Crazy things, and they study their brains. And Tua should they, not play anymore. That thing you know? that happened early in the year was scary. It was oh, yeah, no, all like, what is yeah. that, man? That terrible. was pretty bad. I'm terrible. used to seeing it in boxing, but even in boxing, you get knocked out like that. You're not fighting for six months. You shouldn't play anymore. You know, you um, shouldn't play anymore. That's it. Three strikes. They gave him three. It's three. Oh, it. Three times. It's, oh my yeah. god. Three in one season. That's it. Oh no. You know, SP, and, this 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 episode has been. Amazing, amazing! Uh, I love the stories, uh, the JT Ramuto story, the Richard story, your story about you know the the fifties. Everything was awesome, man. I appreciate it. Such a good show, man. Baseball, gonna, baseball. I mean, baseball gives us a lot of good stories, you know. Sure does. Listen, Swing Kings Batting Cages, Tamiami Park, twenty two zero one Southwest, one hundred seventeenth Avenue, three zero five seven two three one nine three one. Rent a cage. Come out get some tokens. Christie's Kitchens Empanadas in there, right? That's right. So we're good to go. We All right, birth- Monday through birth- Friday, uh, 1 to 9, uh, 30. Saturdays, uh, what you got, 9 to 7? 9 to 7, 10, to 10 to 6. We also do birthday parties. Uh, my wife is in charge of that, and we've had some really nice parties. Swing um, Kings Miami, right? Instagram? Um, Swing Kings MIA. Let's do it. There it is. I've seen the, I've seen the pictures of those parties. Awesome. They look awesome. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, SP, thank you once again. We'll we'll have you on a, a third time. Maybe Absolutely. he'll be the, the first one to to one. be on. Hey, three episode times. seventeen coming next. That's Super right. Excited, this man. week. This week. This week. Thursday. Carlos Casanova.